Hi, this is Nathan. Before we get to the episode, I want to invite you to join me on an incredible adventure this November of 2024. I am taking a small group of believers to Turkey, what the New Testament called Asia Minor, for a 12-day Bible study tour of the early church. We'll be studying the book of Acts and many of the epistles on location as we visit ancient cities like Ephesus, Laodicea, Heropolis, Antioch, Pergamum, and many more. If you are interested in joining me this November for a once-in-a-lifetime adventure as we study where much of the New Testament and early church took place, you can learn more by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. And if you're interested, don't delay. Spots are limited and on a first-come, first-served basis, and a $100 discount is available if you register before May 27th. I do hope you can join me. And again, more information is available at deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. Now, here's the episode. Well, welcome to episode number two of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Nathan Johnson, and today I want to study a passage of scripture with you and look at who God is and what he is able to do in our lives. Let's dive in. Well, let's get into the word. If you have your Bibles, I would love for you to open up to the book of Ephesians. I'm going to start reading in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, and go down to the end of the chapter. And I just want to kind of walk through it with you and kind of highlight a few key things. I want to land specifically in verses 20 and 21. Uh, This is what Paul writes, Ephesians 3, verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, power to be strengthened by his spirit in the inner man, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we can ask or imagine, according to the power that works within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. What an incredible passage. Now it says in verse 17, I pray, Paul says, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now what's interesting here is he's actually talking to believers so obviously what he's not saying is, oh, would you accept Jesus into your life? Would you, would you accept him into your heart? That's obviously not what he's saying. He's talking to believers and he's saying, hey, hey, would, would Christ be the very center piece of who you are? Would you allow the realities of all that God is to be the obsession, the focus, the delight of your life? The heart is. In, in, the, in the early church was the very center, the, the seat of emotions, if you will. And it was the idea of not just let Christ be in your heart, but may he be the very essence of your life and the focus of your, of your mind and the, the very essence of all that you do and the thing you think about and talk about and, and live and dwell upon. Hey, could that reality be the very center and the essence of your Christian life? Oh, what an amazing thought. Now he goes on. 
He says that I pray that you be rooted and grounded in love. Uh, the idea here, obviously, is that of a tree. And uh, you look at this big redwood tree and what what happens? The, the tree literally sinks its roots down deep into the soil. It literally spreads them out far. Why? Oh, a couple of reasons. One is for the nourishment. Oh, that the God desires to literally nourish you with, with what? Love. And that, that, that those roots not only just suck up the nourishment, but it's also this idea of stability for the tree. Wouldn't it be amazing if Jesus, who is love, would become the very thing that I would be rooted within? That, that he would be the nourishment of my life. And in fact, he is the very essence that is giving me stability in life. See, I, I want Jesus to be that very essence, the, the, the one, the, the person in whom I am rooted and grounded within. It's not just be rooted and grounded in some feeling and emotion called love. Paul is talking about a person whose name is Jesus. He's saying, oh, the one who is love. In fact, 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 and 16 says, God is love. Oh, we're talking about Jesus here, folks. Do you not realize that the very one who is love is the one that Paul says, oh, would you be rooted within him? Would you allow the very nourishment of your life to be the essence? I mean, would you just, hey, would you get so wrapped up in Jesus that Jesus would be your life? Hey, would you allow the stability of your life to be Jesus? Oh, I need that. I don't know about you. He says not only rooted in Jesus, but grounded in Jesus. Uh, the idea here is a building. Uh, you, you understand that if you're going to be building something, it's important that the foundation is correct. Uh, you don't want to build a skyscraper on a whole bunch of sand. Why? It's, it's, it's going to tip over. See, you want a solid foundation. You want a, a rock hard foundation. In fact, the book of Matthew says that hey, you are to build your house upon the rock. Why? Because when the storms and the rains come, hey, if it's on a rock, it's immovable. But hey, if you build on sand, hey, it's going gonna, it's gonna to blow away. It's just going to literally be smashed when the realities of life hit. Wouldn't it be neat if Jesus, who is love, would be not only the thing that we are rooted within, but the very thing that we are, or the very person that we are grounded upon. Oh, as the Christian, Paul says, the reality is that your life as a Christian is to be rooted and grounded in Jesus. That is a Christian. It's amazing. See, it's not my intellect. It's not my own ability. It's not my talent. It's not my resource. It's not my finances. The essence, the reality, the fullness, the consumption, the reality of the Christian life is a person. His name is Jesus. Mm, What an amazing thought. Now, Paul continues in verse 18. He says, not only that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith, not, not only would you be rooted and grounded in love, who's a person named Jesus, but he prays in verse 18 that we would be able to comprehend with all the saints, the breadth, the length, the depth, the height, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. And you realize what he's describing is utterly indescribable. I mean, the, the love of God is so overwhelming, is, is so immeasurable, is, is so over the top 
the very thing that we can't grasp, the very thing that we can't even come to the fullness of understanding, Paul says somehow, could you, could you begin to understand and comprehend the length and width and depth and height? And would you know the love of Christ? What, what I love is, and we're going to get into this in future episodes, but one of my favorite words in the Greek is the word gnosko. And the word gnosko is, is knowledge, but it's not knowledge in the sense of facts and data and information. It's, it's knowledge in the sense of relationship and experience and, and, and I, I've grasped it and I've, I've known it. How do I know it? Oh, I've, I've, I've gone through it. Now, it's interesting in verse 19, he says that I am to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. And what he's saying here is, oh, that I would gnosko, that I would, I, would, I would understand, but not just understand in the sense of my head, it's understand in the sense of I've experienced. He says, oh, that, that you would know, that you would experience, that, that you would become acquainted, that, that you would have a reality, that you would have be impressed upon with this love of Christ, which surpasses head knowledge. Uh, that word for knowledge is the, the academics, it's the... Uh, it's the scientific, it's the facts, data, and information kind of stuff. So get what Paul's praying. He says, oh, that, that you would know the love of God, that you would experience the love of God, which goes far beyond facts, data, and information. Oh, isn't that amazing? And I don't know about you, but I don't want to just know about God. I don't See, I don't want to know facts about Jesus. I want to know Jesus himself. That is the, that is the reality of the Christian life. It's not just knowing about him. It's actually knowing him. He continues on in verse 19 and he says, Oh, that you would be filled with all the fullness of God. Wouldn't that that be an interesting thought? If I could be filled with the fullness of who he is, with his attitude and his life and and his mindset and his character and, 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 and his holiness and and the fact that he's taking my life and he's, he's filling me with himself via the Holy Spirit. And he's shaping my life to look like who he is. And that I am filled with the fullness of who he is. Now, that's all an introduction to get into our, our passage here. So just for a couple of minutes, let, let me walk you through verses 20 and 21. Because in verses 20 and 21, it's kind of the thundering final statement that Paul's making in this passage And he says this, now to him, speaking of God, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we can ask or imagine, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Oh, what a phenomenal passage. Paul says this, he says, do you realize who our God is. He says, our God is a God who is able. He is able folks. He is able. And I, and I understand we, 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 you know, we sing the, Oh, he is able more than able. I, I, I understand that we, we have an intellectual understanding that God is sure he can do whatever he wants and, and sure God has the ability, but do you realize that God is able in fact, I, it's been fun. I, as I've been walking through the, through the Bible again, it's, it's so neat to think that it's like God purposely stacks the deck against himself. See, God loves impossibilities. I, I'm convinced 
uh, over and over and over again, what you see is this overwhelming God who is in the middle of an impossibility and in the midst of the impossibility, God comes through with a possible solution and he declares himself as the one who is able. Let me give you an example. Uh, here's this man. His name is Abraham. He's 100 years old. His wife is uh, not that much younger than he is. And this Abraham and his wife, Sarah, uh, God comes up to them and says, hey, guys, I'm, I'm going to give you a child. You realize how crazy that must have sounded? Did you realize here's Abraham and Sarah? Abraham's 100 years old. Sarah's 90 years old. And she is far beyond the years of childbirth. I mean, could you imagine being 90 years old, nine zero, 90 years old, and suddenly you're pregnant? That's impossible. Yeah, but not with God. And God took an impossible, possible situation. And he says, I am able. In fact, Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. And Abraham, you are going to have so many descendants. And just, just try to count all the stars. If you could count the stars, that's how many children I'm giving you. In fact, hey, go down to the seashore. If you can count the grains of sand, that's how many descendants I'm going to give you. Abraham says, that's impossible. God goes, exactly. And I am going to pull off the possible in the midst of the impossible. Why? Because I'm able. Years later, the, the Israelites are in Egypt and, and they're literally enslaved to the Egyptians. How, how are they going to be free? How, how are they going to get out? How, how are they going to live in all that God is calling them to live? This is impossible. God says, I'm able. And in the midst of these 10 plagues, by the end of that whole thing, the Egyptian says, please leave. In fact, here's my jewelry. Here's my money. Just leave. And in the midst of an impossible situation, God is possible. Not long after that, here they are. The Egyptians are coming after them. And they're literally blocked in. They've got a Red Sea on one side. They've got mountains on two other sides. And an Egyptian army coming up the fourth side. This is impossible. I mean, they're just decimated. How are they going to get out of this one? And in the midst of an impossible situation, God opens up a Red Sea and says, I am able. Isn't that amazing? Forty years later, they're, they're in the wilderness. They cross over the Jordan. And they come to this city called Jericho. And you realize that the Jericho was this massive city and high walls and, and they start marching around Jericho. And you realize for seven days, they, they must have been just saying, wow, this is impossible. How are we going to get out of this one? Do you realize God says, hey, I'm able. You, you, you go to the time of Gideon and, and here's Gideon with, with all these troops. And God says, you have way too many troops. Gideon, I need to pare this down. And eventually gets to 300 military people. And here are these men and, and they go off to battle. We're talking 300 against, I mean, what are we, I mean, it was a hundred thousand people, all these Midianites. That's impossible. Exactly. But in the midst of the impossibility, God says, I am able. And he brings forth a triumphant victory. See, I mean, you can just walk through all of scripture that way. And what do you hear? God in the midst of an impossibility, it says, I'm able. Hey, do you not realize that I am able? I mean, look through recent Christian history and over and over these crazy, just mind-boggling scenes. God says, I'm able. I love reading Christian biography and, 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 and you go through stories like Brother Andrew or Jackie Pollinger or Corey Ten Boom and, 
Hudson Taylor and Oswald Chambers and over and over, God comes through. Why? God is able. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. Well, that, that's true. God is able. But, but see, I have a special situation. See, see, I, I have a problem. I, I have an issue. I have a habit. I See, I'm going through a circumstance right now. Hey, can I tell you? It doesn't matter what you're dealing with. It doesn't matter what your situation. doesn't matter what your addiction. Hey, it doesn't matter what you're dealing with. Hey, it doesn't matter what you've gone through in the past. Can I tell you? In the midst of what appears as an impossibility, God is able. He is, folks. God is able. Isn't that amazing? God is able. So here's Paul in Ephesians 3 verse 20. And he says, can I just remind you, God is able. And of course, we look at Paul and we say, well, what is he able to do? And Paul smirks and he, listen to this. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we can ask or imagine, according to the power that works within us. What is that power that works within us? He's referring to the Holy Spirit, which he's he's talked about beforehand. It's this overwhelming, fiery power of the Holy Spirit that's really working in us to make us who we are called to be. The fact that God wants us to be the men and women that he has designed us to be biblically, he is really in his power and his strength and his might via the Holy Spirit within us. He is really working within us and producing something that you and I in and of ourselves cannot pull off. That's amazing. You realize that Christianity, the way it was designed, is utterly, overwhelmingly impossible to live out. Hey, that when you when you look at the New Testament and you really walk through the pages of the New Testament, the conclusion you come to is, <laughs> this is impossible. I, I can't do this. That the calling is, the standard, the, the, the measure is so high. I cannot do this thing. God says, exactly. You can't, but I can. And you realize that what God desires to do within you is he desires, get this, to come inside of you via the Holy Spirit and begin to do a work within you that he desires to enable you to live a life that you in your own strength, in your own mental ability, in your own resource and talent cannot pull off. That's amazing. You realize that what God is desiring to do is to come into your life and literally do the very thing that in your own intellect, in your own ability, in your own talent, in your own resource, you are unable to do. It is impossible. But God says, the very thing that's impossible, I am able to do within you. Now, it's not just he's able, get this. Paul says he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all that we can ask or imagine. The word there for ask and imagine, the word there ask has the idea of to ask, to beg, to call for, to crave, to desire, the word therefore imagine, some translations say the word think, all that you can ask or think. But it's the idea of what you can perceive with your mind or, or what you could understand or ponder. In other words, what he's saying is, do you realize that God is able to take your best case scenario? God is able to take, hey, consider what you would ask for. Can, can, hey, take the best possible solution in your mind. 
Do you realize that God is able to go exceedingly abundantly beyond that? Well, I'm in the middle of a circumstance. I'm in the middle of a situation. I've got a problem. Yeah, but, but God is able. He's able to march into your circumstance and march into your situation and, and march into your life and the very thing that's impossible. Hey, what would the best case scenario be? Do you not realize that God can go beyond that? Now, here's what's so, so great. I just love this passage. What is so amazing is that when you look at the original language, when, when you look at this passage in the Greek, the word there for exceedingly abundantly beyond, <clears throat> it's really exciting. The word there exceedingly abundantly beyond in the original language is actually two words. Um, it's the word beyond, which means beyond, <laughs> obviously. In fact, in mine, it says exceedingly abundantly beyond. It's that word beyond. Now, when it says exceedingly abundantly, it's one Greek word. But what's interesting, it's it's one Greek word, but it's actually three Greek words kind of shoved together into one word. So it's kind of hard to visualize this via audio, but but get this. There's a word, there's two, two main words in the Greek for exceedingly abundantly beyond. One of them is beyond. And the other one, <clears throat> my translation is translated exceedingly abundantly. But that word exceedingly abundantly is three separate Greek words kind of shoved together. Now, let me give you those three words. The first word of those three words is the word beyond, which is the exact same word as that second word. So we have exceedingly beyond, uh, exceedingly abundantly beyond that beyond is the first word of these three words. Hope you can get this. <laughs> now, the second word of these three words is a different word, but the translation is beyond. Do, do you get the emphasis here? Paul says beyond, beyond, beyond. That's so neat. Now, the third word of the exceedingly abundantly. So there's three words put together. The third word for exceedingly abundantly. Let me, let me read you a couple options that you can translate it into. It means exceeding more than necessary, super added, supremely, abundantly, much more than all, superior, extraordinary, surpassing, uncommon, more remarkable, more excellent, preeminent, superior advantage. That is amazing. That word, by the way, is used 10 times uh, in the New Testament. One of them is in John 10.10. 10. Uh, John 10.10, 10, it's, it's that famous passage. Jesus says, the thief comes, but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, Jesus says, that you might have life and have it more abundantly. That word there for abundantly is our word. You realize what Jesus says? He says, the enemy comes. And what is the enemy doing? The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. What does Jesus come to do? Oh, bring life. But not just life, but life abundant. Life that is exceeding, more than necessary, super added, supreme, abundant, much more than all, superior, extraordinary, surpassing, uncommon, more remarkable, more excellent, preeminent, superior, and advantage. That is the kind of life that Jesus is bringing. Now, bring it back into our passage. Paul says, God is able. Now take your best case scenario. Do you realize that God is able to go exceedingly abundantly beyond? Now again, exceedingly abundantly, three words. Beyond, beyond, exceeding. And there's that second word, beyond. So get this. Paul says, God is able. Take your best case scenario. Do you realize 
that God can go above, beyond, beyond, over and above, and beyond all that you could ask or think. It's not that God is just able to do something. He is. But God is, hey, God loves impossibilities. God so loves the, 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 when the deck is stacked against him that he is, hey, take your best case scenario. It's not that he's just able to do that. He's able to go beyond, beyond, over and above and beyond. It is so exceeding. It is so superior. It is so over the top. I mean, it's just, it is so mind boggling. It's just, there's no words to describe. It's beyond, beyond, over and above and beyond all that we can ask or imagine. Look at your life. What are the circumstances? What are the situations? What are the hardships? What are the financial struggles? What's the family stuff? What's the tension? Hey, where are you feeling the pressure? Hey, what are the habits? Where are you being tempted in? Do you realize you could look at that and say, well, this is impossible. Do you know who God is? God is a God who is able. And it's not that he's just able, but he's able to go beyond, beyond, over and above and beyond all that you could ask or imagine. See, see, we don't worship and serve a God who just, well, maybe he can come through in this circumstance. See, he is a God who is able. And it's, yeah, I understand. He's, it's not that he's just going to remove all, this, all the trials. It's not that he's going to remove all the problems because it's in the midst of that he often grows us. But isn't it interesting in the midst of the trials, in the midst of the, the struggles, in the midst of the difficulties, that we have a God who wants to literally march into those circumstances within us. That, that, hey, when I feel like I can't carry on any longer, he is able to do so. That what he wants to form and shape within me is, is himself, that his character and, and his attitude and his tone and, and his life within me. See, what if I could face my circumstance down at, down at my job? See, see what, if, what if I could deal with my school problems? See, what if I could deal with my financial crisis? What if I could deal with my family issues? What, what if I could deal with the, the habits and the, the temptations that onslaught me? See, see, what would happen if I would stick a God smack dab in the middle of my problems? And it's not just a God who can do something. I'm talking about inviting Jesus smack dab in the middle of my every moment circumstance. And I need to realize that in the midst of that, that he is able, not just able, but he's able to go beyond, beyond, over and above, and beyond all that I could ask or imagine. See, that is my God. And that same Jesus lives inside of me through his spirit. What would it look like to live every day in that reality? What would it look like to wake up tomorrow morning and pop out of bed and say, God, you are able to handle this day. And you, God, would you take my life and somehow through my life, would you pull off the impossible? Jesus, would you take my circumstance and literally go beyond, beyond, over and above all that I could ask or imagine? He wants to do that in us. I don't know about you, but I love Jesus. Hey, I encourage you. Hey, go after him. Hey, hey, grab tight to who he is. Hey, 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 pursue him aggressively. Be obsessed with him. Get into the word and become acquainted with him on a whole nother level because he is God and he is able to go exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we can ask or imagine.
And he wants to be invited into the everyday moment circumstances of our lives. Well, thanks for joining me for this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. If you would like resources and notes from today's show, I encourage you to check out our show notes at deeperchristian.com forward slash 002 for episode number two. There you'll find a whole bunch of links and resources and other information that could help you as you pursue Jesus. Join me next time as we begin to look at five ways to grow in our spiritual lives. Until then, know I am cheering you on as you build your life around Jesus Christ.